I'm Kernan Mannion, and you're listening to Physician Interrupted. The North Carolina Auditor just audited the purported state agency, North Carolina Medical Board, specifically its Complaints and Investigations Division and its work product over the preceding two years. Now, this notion of it being a state agency, we'll explore this later because it's really quite a curious phenomenon. The link to the actual audit is included here in the article. The manifest reason, though she doesn't really need one, was that docs who are unprofessional, impaired, or incompetent, maybe on the loose in North Carolina, threatening the safety of the public, and concerned that the North Carolina Medical Board isn't doing enough to address it. Are their investigations sufficiently prompt and impartial? She offered a rather sensational rationale for this audit's urgency, which she supported by spicing her report with several attention-grabbing cases and alleging that North Carolina Medical Board didn't investigate and discipline them sufficiently, if at all. And she questioned if there is a pattern of intentional non-investigation of some docs, say those with institutional or political pull, while other docs investigated for the same or lesser concerns were being publicly flogged by the board's disciplinarians and its spectator-pleasing press. This sort of drunk, white-coated, loose-zippered, predator docs on the loose storyline is a classic, borrowed from the omnipresent alarmism of public citizen, calling for more discipline of the entire profession, as you just can't take your eyes off these sorts. Whether Ms. Wood actually buys this tabloid trash is another matter. But playing to such a panic can sure help you get in the door and rouse the we're going to get to the bottom of this right now response among legislators and the public. I suspect, I hope at least, that what she's really trying to do is just get in the door so she can examine this supposedly independent agency and its Stasi-like operations, specifically its FBI wannabe complaints and investigations division. Now, there's a notion here of auditor's duty. Many, even the auditors, seem to believe that NCMB is a state agency, and therefore the state auditor should have a right to investigate to the fullest extent whether that state agency is fully compliant with laws and policies and is acting in a responsible public servant manner. Now, whether it is a state agency is indeed debatable. It itself claims it is not. We'll cover that conundrum in a separate post, though I really do believe that it's going to need a book unto itself. But the implication here is that if the board is not in compliance, the state, its presumed overseer, could be at risk of litigation or be subject to federal investigation for noncompliance with any number of applicable federal laws. And if you violate those... Worse, if you violate those doing so in a manner that hurts the licensees you regulate or the very public you're supposed to protect by wrongfully removing their doctor and thus their access to care, it could mean big trouble in terms of civil or even criminal fines. 
and perhaps even result in the state losing earmarked federal funds. Yowzer. Now, what we learn is that NCMB conducts a hell of a lot of investigations. And yet it's clear that they have no oversight. Zippo. The auditor established that in two prior scathing reports in 2014. NCMB reports that they conducted 4,432 investigations over the two-year period beginning uh, being examined. I can only presume that here an investigation includes some manner of processing nuisance complaints or those entirely out of their jurisdiction. For example, just writing a significant number of form letters in response to crackpot complaints from chronically disgruntled people. Surely it can't mean mobilizing an investigator and opening a case file, can it? That would mean six investigations a day. It certainly doesn't take long to max out your personnel case capability. But because of the near-complete shutout of the auditor, we just don't know. But basically, from the get-go, what you see is that NCMB refused to cooperate, virtually in toto. There were a handful of records that NCOSA, the North Carolina Office of the State Auditor, was allowed to review, allowed, but even there, they were so heavily redacted that the auditor found them basically useless for the purposes of the audit. In other words, she really wasn't able to audit any of the 4,432 records that she had set out to examine. Now, would the IRS permit that if you were being audited? Would the Department of Justice permit that if they had to determine whether you might be running a racket? NCMB offered a variety of public, and I would suggest specious, rationales for their refusal. They, first of all, alleged that the auditor didn't have the authority to investigate them and their various operations and their records. Now, as we'll see below, this is preposterous. They also feigned the excuse that they were protecting licensees and patients' confidentiality. Now, the auditor is sworn to confidentiality. But NCMB's executive director, Henderson, and his oh-so-valiant portrayal of NCMB as blocking the auditor's access to its case files because that would risk breaching the exquisite confidentiality of licensees' sensitive health information is a bit like hearing Bill Cosby lecture you on the morality in dating. Now, I don't want to distract the reader with a weighty dive into how NCMB handled one doc's protected health information confidentiality. I'll simply link to it here. I suspect it will reveal that I have rather strong feelings about this board and its contracted state psychiatric evaluator, NCPHP. I do believe, though, that it will serve well as one example of how NCMB handles legally protected, protected health information, PHI. Now, so too 
it seems the auditor has an overarching oversight authority, just like the medical board does under the HIPAA Act as an oversight agency. It would appear from a careful read of the statute NCGS, the North Carolina General Statute 147.64, that the state auditor is sworn to comprehensive confidentiality, likely more stringently than this board could ever conceive. Pardon my psychiatric interpretive speculation here, but it seems quite possible that you've projected onto the state auditor your own malfeasance in the handling of confidential and medically protected PHI, perhaps fearing that she'll be as arrogantly defiant of law as you. That's just the way projection works. Now, if the auditor doesn't have the authority to investigate the legally compliant performance of state agencies' investigatory processes, then who does? And if nobody does, then what are we dealing with but a rogue agency that's become a veritable Frankenstein, a monster that can overpower any state authority and do as it wishes? Now, if you have a government, in this case the North Carolina General Assembly, as the state legislature, that willfully consents to allowing that obstruction of the auditor's scrutiny to occur, then it itself is complicit in North Carolina Medical Board's secretive and likely weaponized operation. Who and how that standoff is handled is bigger than my non-JD, non-school of government mind can process. I'm just a lowly MD with a specialty in board certification in psychiatry. One at that who had to sacrifice his license at gunpoint and was declared mentally ill and dangerous to society. Such infallible declaration preventing me from ever gaining a license in any state. And because of that, the world. In fact, words out internationally, thanks to North Carolina Medical Board. So you certainly shouldn't give my observations, even though perhaps well-written with nary a hint of delusion or hallucination or public endangerment, but you just don't know, do you? That's the thing about being labeled as mentally ill and dangerous to patient care. People are leery to give you much validity to that person's voice. But if the auditor and other investigators aren't allowed in and unable to determine if you're in compliance with federal and state law, one thing would be clear. Physicians and all other medical professionals should not risk practicing in such a state, as its secretiveness, capriciousness, denial of due process, and state indifference to their plight could wipe out your license in that and all states in which you could ever practice. Now, NCMB feigned an excuse for not having a licensee case investigation protocol because they said that other medical boards don't have one. Now, how is that possible? Do you mean to tell me that FSMB, the Federation of State Medical Boards, doesn't have guidance on appropriate conduct of disciplinary investigations? 
that's really quite remarkable because they opine on so much else, except, of course, licensees due process, abiding by the ADA, confidentiality of protected health information, those sorts of things. Do any other state medical boards have protocols? I thought that's what FSMB was all about, sharing best practices and discipline. You know, choice of flogs, number of lashes, how to arrange the event for maximal coliseum attendance, making sure you get the press releases out. But if this is valid, then what this necessarily means is that this board, as well as every other medical licensing board in the country, is just winging it, making their investigations protocol up as they go along. It's the we know wrong when we see it argument. But this is just a tad relative. Hmm? It's reminiscent of the moral guardian's argument in response to the definitional haziness of pornography. We know pornography when we see it. Now, Of course, this lack of an investigatory and charging process standard then necessarily calls into question the validity of any state medical board entering disciplinary and changed licensee status into the NPDB, the National Practitioner Data Bank. Why? Simply because such entries are so arbitrary and capricious from one state to the next. It would seem that the only way to address this reliability flaw is to remove all reportable actions to a state civil court, where the licensee can be somewhat more assured that fairness and rules of civil procedure would prevail. After all, such reported actions are the equivalent of criminal sentences, which indelibly alter that physician's capacity to practice freely. Now, given boards, and I mean all boards, complete absence of such a protocol, and considering its unfair disposition from the outset as a prosecutor and not really a truth-seeker, it really should be made to try its prosecutorial case in a civil court. You see, as it stands now, a medical board is set up as a complainer, and it can, in fact, submit its own complaints. A complaint receiver, a complaint investigator, a complaint level two investigator who goes deeper into that initial investigation the charger and writer of violations, a prosecutor, and then the judge and the jury itself. And then, of course, it may pair up with its favorite executioner and method of ridding that physician of their license. Now, shouldn't there be some smidgen of a process that gives the doc at least a fair chance at justice? Now, NCMB says that the auditor is picking on them. NCMB claims that the audit really doesn't have a clear justification that the auditor is really just picking on them. Well, as we noted in the law quoted, she doesn't need to have a justification. And they then argue that, well, she hasn't investigated other licensing boards' investigational operations. 
Well, for one, no other occupational licensing board probably has anything akin to this Gestapo operation. I mean, who could even imagine? But, you know, in reading Executive Director Henderson's reply, I got to say, Mr. Henderson, coming from someone who had a long career in clinical psychiatry and abruptly retired at this board's unique invitation, it sounds a bit like you guys have a persecution complex. And I suggest you might want to get some help dealing with that. So what's the law actually say? Well, 147.64, it is the intent of this article that all state agencies and entities supported partially or entirely by, by public funds be subject to audit and investigation under the policy guidance of the auditor. Now, here's an interesting dilemma. NCMB says it receives no public money and it claims it is not a state agency. Now, that is really curious. But, you see, this rationale for the audit, that issue doesn't even matter. And NCMP probably knows this, because an investigation, according to that law, means an independent review or examination of an allegation of an improper governmental activity regarding a state agency, organization, program, activity, or function being designated by the legislature and appointed by the governor to run the medical licensing gig in the state would seem to qualify for such a function. The law continues, what is a state agency? Any department, political subdivision, institution, board, commission, committee, division, bureau, officer, official, or any other entity for which the state has oversight responsibility. Now, this poses an interesting dilemma, doesn't it? Does the state have oversight responsibility or not? Does this non-state agency acknowledge that or not? And if it does, who is this overseer and how is that oversight exercised? According to correspondence that I and my colleague have from both the governor and the attorney general, as well as what the auditor has stated in her 2014 report, there doesn't appear to be any oversight of this agency. So if not, then is it a state agency? And if it doesn't have oversight, and it is found to have committed a civil or even criminal violation, oh my, what then? So, as we said, when the auditor can conduct such evaluations, the law here needs no explanation. It reads, verification audits for compliance with statutory requirements with or without advance notice to the state agency being audited may be initiated at the discretion of the auditor and as requested by the governor or the General Assembly. So here we have an alleged non-state agency, self-declared as such, which is performing a governmental function, and the auditor steps in to 
audit its processes as she is authorized and has a duty to do, and they rebuff her. And she then is not able to evaluate any of the 4,432 complaints that have turned into investigations, some of which turn into charges by the board, which then lead to some sort of hearing, which then leads to some sort of disciplinary action, which may result in someone losing their license, and they have no protocol, and they're resisting any audit. Now, this notion of North Carolina Medical Board and its identity. On its Frequently Asked Questions page, the North Carolina Medical Board writes, is the North Carolina Medical Board part of state government? And they answer, no. No. The Medical Board is an independent agency that regulates the practice of medicine and surgery on behalf of the state of North Carolina. They go on to add, medical board employees are not on the state payroll and do not qualify for state benefits or retirement. Well, that's interesting. So it's an independent agency. That would make it sort of like a contractor, not really a state agency. So how would that be handled? Hmm. They apparently as the auditor has demonstrated, don't have any protocol that indicates how they gauge complaint severity and what that complaint triage is. So in other words, they haven't really revealed the process, the flow for how they receive these complaints and then decide to pursue them. What's quite remarkable from looking at the recent North Carolina Medical Board annual report, which these reports are available on their website, is that North Carolina Medical Board considers the vast majority of its complaints it receives to be actionable, which means opening an investigation file that could result in some sort of disciplinary action. Now, that is a hell of a lot of investigations and a hell of a lot of discipline. And that's a lot of ducks having to hire sufficiently knowledgeable lawyers at big bucks to help them navigate this board's weighty pronouncement and its labyrinth of unclear proceedings, there is apparently no investigation protocol, no triaging of complaint severity, at least none that she referenced in her report. Now, had they provided one, you would think that Auditor Wood might have said something to the effect, they do follow a protocol, which we've examined, and it appears to be a coherent protocol with appropriate branched algorithms for this and that type of situation, and it appears to comply with XYZ state and federal laws, and they demonstrate internal controls to show that it is consistently observed internally and monitored for compliance. Nah. No reference to any such guiding document. In fact, NCMB seems to allege that there is no protocol amongst any of the 50-plus medical boards across the country. And I guess they'd know, as they have played an ongoing leadership role with the trade group FSMB, Federation of State Medical Boards, 
with at least one and probably several of NCMB's past presidents having served as that trade group's chair. But no protocol means the likelihood of such a process being capricious and arbitrary. Capricious meaning that they're given to sudden and unaccountable changes of mood and behavior. And arbitrary meaning that their action is based on random choice or personal whim rather than any reason or system. And so, as you can see, as a result, this whole process could be potentially biased in myriad and major ways, if not actually weaponized. The auditor did find that this board is not meeting its legislatively required deadlines for investigation completion. Six months is the deadline. Now, what's the big deal with this? Is this just simply a little technical foul? Because they can keep a dock under suspicion and out of practice for extended periods of time under a non-practice agreement, NPA, that the dock was essentially coerced to sign so as to be seen as going along and participating and complying. It seems that most physicians are encouraged by their attorneys to do this just to clear their name. But NCMB can then use this contrivance both reputationally against them, see, they agreed to stop practice, as well as to deepen and deepen and lengthen an investigation, not because there's anything there, just because they can. In other words, got a doc you want to make trouble for? Sick the board on them and keep them tied up for as long as you want. It's as simple as that. And the doc's legal bills go up and up until they can't afford representation anymore. And the doc's career is ruined and the doc's patient's care has been interrupted and their medical safety potentially compromised because this agency abused its discretion in falsely labeling the situation unsafe to patient care and dangerous and they better sign a non-practice agreement. I'll tell you what's dangerous. A reckless, rogue agency that has no state oversight and no legal accountability. A North Carolina auditor Wood correctly identified in her audit of the North Carolina occupational boards as a whole in 2014, the absence of oversight is a disservice both to the public and to the licensees they regulate. Check that report out. It would appear that she understated the problem. A licensing board like this that is not overseen is not simply a disservice. It is a menace to the safety of the public and to the profession of medicine. It's also a big deal because what that means is that this medical board did not itself abide by the very law as written by the legislature which empowered it and which gave it these powers under explicit conditions one of which was that it itself has to abide by the law and due process. By not doing so, it has therefore necessarily violated due process. 
and infringed on the rights of all of those charged. Is there any reason why their entire case, no matter the charge, no matter the guilt, be dismissed? It would appear that this is the case in the civil court system where the courts honor due process and consider it the fundamental bedrock principle of American jurisprudence. Such malfeasance should also compel a re-examination of every one of the entries made into the National Practitioner Data Bank by such a deprivation of due process by this board. Now, one should wonder why this appointed board, which is actually the formal board, the 13 members who are officially the board, has not compelled its own investigation and held its own independent agency accountable. Not having done so would certainly suggest a gross failure of governance. They are the medical board. So as she concluded, there is no way for legislators, licensees, or the public to have any assurance that this body, this independent agency, that is self-declaredly not a state agency, is performing in a fully professional, upstanding, and sufficiently transparent manner as required of a legitimate governmental body, performing in full compliance with state and federal law, including abiding by fundamental constitutional provisions, for example, the requisite provision of due process. Now, what that means is that NCMB could be running its own operation, its own gig, administering parajudicial justice, discriminating against any variety of licensees and types of medical services they have imperiously deemed unacceptable, silently removing competitors and whistleblowers via sham impairment assessments, feeding its own impairment assessment and treatment program RICO, a racketeering-influenced criminal organization, sending docs to their career deaths via the National Practitioner Data Bank reports drawn from this veritable cascade of due process-deprived proceedings, and doing so all the while defiantly violating state, federal, and constitutional law under the willfully blind eye of this state. So it looks like a standoff at Smoke Tree. That's their street address. So what now? A duel? <laughs> state Auditor Wood said soon after the release of the report on the nearly completely blocked audit that she would go to the legislature and or the courts and get an order to comply. And clearly, she's not the sort of person who is going to be intimidated. But given what I know of the very dysfunctional relationships amongst the North Carolina Medical Board, the North Carolina Medical Society, North Carolina Physicians Health Program, the governor, the North Carolina Attorney General, who, by the way, chose to do utterly nothing to protect, uh, to, to further investigate and then act definitively, in prosecuting NCPHP 
when the auditor found a pervasive violation of due process of 1,140 physicians. And therefore, this denial of due process by NCMB completely chose to ignore pursuing an investigation of this and effecting mitigation. So knowing all of this intrigue, it's really a toss-up whether she'll get the order she needs, one that she not only has the right to, but the duty to obtain. Now, if they, the legislature, blunt her and don't give her that order for immediate compliance, well, docs and all other professionals in North Carolina and docs considering coming to North Carolina, it's up to you. You either support her in having the right to review the fairness of their investigative and other operations. You either demand of your professional societies that this proceed, or they get to continue doing their secretive thing with obviously disastrous consequences for yet additional docs. And as an individual physician who is then facing this system, it's a rigged game. You will have no chance of success. And the organized medical community, the legal community in North Carolina, and the political systems know it. And it stays in place because it works. It works just for about everybody. Everybody except the ensnared physician. Why would any physician want to risk their careers to practice in such a state? We'll pick up more details on the audit and subsequent developments in the next Physician Interrupted post. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Dr. Kernan Mannion, and this is Physician Interrupted.